Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 35th episode of... <clears throat> Hold on. I'm gonna... Let me run that one back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just this is the uh, 35th? Oh, hmm. Hmm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 35th episode of the Without the Context podcast, and I am Dagavolti, joined today by Pure Technics and Sharky Hat. Um, and if that went over your head a little bit, that bit there, um, we have uh, some more, uh, we have some updated books uh, for D&D that just came out recently, The Monsters of the Multiverse. Um, it's been out in physical print for a while. There yeah. it is. But it got its solo it just came out release. digitally. And yeah, solo. Yeah, to buy a um, box set to get it originally, which is kind it of was really annoying. Like a hundred, it was 120 bucks, and I was like, yeah. that's just not happening. Um, so today, uh, our topic is largely going to be about, um, the, uh, how to get that and translate it into your game. Um, especially if you have long-standing races, such as like goblins, uh, if you have like, you know, Ogrekin or whatever, whatever you might have, um, if it's gotten an update, how, how any of us will go through and like, uh, run over those changes. Especially if it yes, makes the do. race, especially if it makes the race a little bit better too. Um, mm -hmm. Like um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but a lot of these races subtly got subtly got like you know buffed in certain aspects. People are like, "Oh, it's kind of a nerf with this ability," but no, it's not because they've added this whole new thing of X times proficiency bonus uses. So, which is a really cool uh, way to make proficiency bonus a little more viable in this game. It's just kind of been a number that's been attached to the character sheet. But uh, well, yeah, they've been doing that since solidly since like Tasha's. Yeah, it's been, been interesting. Putting more and more uh, emphasis on it. But uh, as Becca mentioned, we have Pyrotechnics back uh, with us today. This is uh, the second week of guests. Um, Haley should be back next week. Uh, she is again getting married. So congratulations to Haley, which is why she is away and the boys are here. So yeah. Um, well, I, uh, I I don't have any uh, big uh, engagement announcements to uh, to go through, but I do appreciate you having me on again. It's good to be back. Yeah, of course. And also, uh, yeah, you actually do because Pyrotechnics uh, just released his <laughs> dancer class uh, last week. Okay, so. I, I guess it's it's a small. It's not it's not like getting married, but yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned. Oh, that kind of engagement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's, you know what? I no, none of us have anything going on. This We're recording a podcast on Wednesday. But anyways, so. uh, yeah, no, I, it's funny you mentioned the proficiency stuff because that actually plays quite a lot into uh, some of the mechanics. So yeah, thank you for letting me do a shameless plug. Um, my uh, oh, man, go ahead. Answer is uh, is is officially out. It's published uh, OGL compatible uh, fifth edition content. It is uh, on my Kofi store for a dollar as well as drive through RPG. So yay, nice. So uh, D&D Beyond. I got a free ad out of this. Sweet. No, it's yeah. not on D&D Beyond yet. I mean, you can implement it on D&D Beyond, but you have to enable homebrew. Yeah. yeah. I have to. I, I designed the uh, Turtle Dragonborn class on D&D Beyond, so I have mm -hmm. to have uh, have to have it. And I'm terrified because people are actually apparently adding it to their own homebrew collections. And that means people yeah, like it. Yeah, I wasn't I prepared for that. So, um. But yeah, we're talking about um, 
Monsters of the Multiverse today. Uh, some of the changes that came with certain player races, uh, definitely some improvements in a lot of ways. And when it comes to long running games, you know, how these changes are going to kind of affect the gameplay itself, because now your characters are same level, yes, but more inherently stronger, which kind of might, you know, change the curve of combat in certain ways or certain, you know, social situations. And just how you as a DM or anything can go about, you know, adjusting to this new new order of things that Wizards has dropped on us in 5.5, I think, as we're going to be calling it. So we're, uh, it, we're not there yet. We're I know they're doing something they're else that's because more 5.5. Uh, 5. Like 5. 3.5, you know? Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Because, I uh, used to work in software. There's a lot of a lot of numbers and digits. Well, we're yep. also getting um with the uh, Dragonland stuff that they announced. Uh, they're giving you know backgrounds that now come packed with a feat included in the background too. So it's like it's a very specific one, specific to Dragonlands and those kind of you know campaigns. But it's still, hey, they're starting to experiment with backgrounds. They're using proficiency bonuses more uh, when it comes to certain abilities. You know all these uh kind of minor changes that are going to affect, you know, characters in the long run, which I'm glad that they're experimenting. I feel like 5th edition was starting to get slightly stale to a degree. There wasn't a lot of, you know, official races coming out that kind of shook stuff up. A lot of it had to be found in homebrew. Um, a lot of the classes were kind of, you know, already ranked out. Like, if you want to play a fighter, you're going to play, you know, a champion, a samurai, or a gunslinger. Doing, yeah. So it's like, if you want to play like the optimal classes, here's what you have. So me playing a gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. But um, I wanted to get Luke in from the last time we had Pira because I asked him, I was like, hey, Luke, um, how are you guys going to go about uh, using Monsters of the Multiverse? And Luke had no idea because he hadn't read the book yet <laughs> or he hadn't like seen anything for it. And I was like, all right, well, I sent him the preview from D&D Beyond. It's like, here's what changes for Kobolds. You know, they don't have uh, Cower and Grovel anymore. They now have this uh, thing where they can, one of the options is they just get a sorcerer cantrip. So it's like, okay, cool. My cobalt fighter now has green flame blade or, you know, booming blade, whatever I want to give him. And he also has this thing where it's like a better pack tactics now. That's not exactly pack tactics. So it's like, okay, it's not a definitive change, but I am now going to the character is now going to behave differently maybe a little more stronger than he was because now I have, you know, booming blade as an option as a fighter. So it's pretty good. That's, uh, that's going to be interesting. Pretty solid. My, uh, my, my uh, trash can kobold. I, I have a, I have a, a arcane trickster, uh, rogue elf who, uh, also has taken a few levels in fighter. Uh, and he does a lot of booming blade, green flame blade shenanigans. It's and, uh, like legit. So, so much fun to like, do that kind of thing and then he just like disengages and because he has mobile it just runs the hell out of there and <laughs> it's, it's, and that's it's a done. good transition to like the first thing i want to like talk about is um well sort of just like here's how you know this ability might change to be a little stronger than it was originally the fey ancestry that we were talking about before we started recording the elves originally was against being charmed and you couldn't be put to sleep uh now i think it's just maybe against elf it's you know can't be put to sleep but goblins now have fey ancestry and it's saving throws to avoid being charmed and also to end it 
which is a slight buff to that ability now because it's like oh if you do fail you know you can get out of it faster too so it's a it's just it's and uh when we talked to our friend mike who's playing a goblin in one of our campaigns uh fury of the small he brought up it's like oh well i'm doing less damage than i used to because it was originally a one-time use you know equal per level now it's equal to number of times proficiency the damage of the proficiency so as you start getting higher you're gonna not have more front end but more damage overall too so when it comes to stuff like this like pc races getting these kind of buffs like as a dm what would be something that goes through your mind um when starting to assess you know the situations that your characters might find themselves in i'll start with uh, the mean, yeah. yeah yeah okay um yeah you know it, it is really interesting I'll, I'll preface this by saying i haven't read through the whole book but i've seen a lot of the, the the big um major changes and specifically for player characters um i i think like using this uh using this new content is like something that in any given campaign as a dm I would just first and foremost bring to my players, right? Especially if anything affects them. Like, you know, obviously this doesn't affect any of the players' handbook races, although based on the discussions that have been had and the way that, you know, this more streamlined ability score increases and, and different um, different racial abilities and stuff are going, it seems like that's probably a matter of time whenever the whole 5.5 thing does drop. Um, that's yes. likely to be a big part of it. Uh whether or not this is a stopgap or it's just actually part of that. I mean, in Tasha's, we had this custom lineage option that enabled that. I didn't have any of my players take advantage of it at the time, um, mostly because we just didn't really talk about it. It sort of stealthed into the digital tools that I use. Um, but for the actual book and the options there, um, it would be the same thing. I would just talk to my players and say, okay, so you're playing a goblin. Uh, in the new version of of the goblin i believe it was originally from volo's guide to monsters right um, that, or is it morton kainan's i think it was volo's Volos was the first book, it was uh with new so if if that's like the the template that they're building off of uh obviously you know a lot of things that keep period the small stuff like that i would just side by side the two of them and if the player was like oh i would rather use those and we just make the change uh like kind of retcon it in a way like narratively it doesn't really have to make much of a change right yeah um whatever new content comes out this is generally how i approach it sometimes it's dm specific content like i'm running a ravenloft campaign for instance um that was originally just curse of strahd but in the middle of that uh van richten's guide to ravenloft came out and i was like oh there's a million other domains of dread and i'm gonna play with those now um yeah. but i didn't have to tell my players pardon my french shit about it you know like yeah. I just it actually I just helps that like, you don't. Yeah, and then I started using like the dark gifts. Like um, one of my players made a deal with uh, Aslan Rex for anyone who knows who that is, um, oh, and became God. a Mistwalker. Um, and that was like the impetus to let them like run off into a different domain to go basically do a fetch quest for Aslan. Um, mm. So that's what my side like like that's the side quest that's going on right now. Uh, that implemented some character changes, but that was also for a character that does a lot of homebrew and is really interested in maybe not min-maxing, but creating a unique narrative aspect to their character. Yeah. They play a bard with a custom subclass that's very much like that whole Riot Games Twisted Fate thing, but it, it's a little different. Um, and, and for stuff like this, I would just go to them and say, okay, well, you know, the character race you play has some new options. Would you like to use them? 
or not. And if they want to, just make the change. You know, double check that it doesn't it doesn't remove anything that they want from their character. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah. certain things are different now. Like the Kobolds don't have pack tactics per se, but they have like different options. The Fey ancestry is kind of an interesting thing to be expanded on past the elves. I know for goblins, they don't have the whole can't be put to sleep aspect. It's just the charm thing, yeah. um, which is interesting. And I, I, I think, I think basically my instinct is to just like ask my players what they want to do and give them options. That's what I'm always trying to do as a DM. Yeah. And uh, I think that's probably the best way to you know go about it. As a DM, you're going to be, you know, having to adjust to those new things. Because I think like one of the minor things that also happened is like all unarmed attacks now are just like a flat D6, no matter what race it is now, which is, I think, a good quality of life change. And I think like Arakokras have like, you know, 30 movement speed like they would have, but now they just have an equal flying speed. Same thing with like swim speeds is equal to their normal speed. Now it's not a flat value. Yeah, so, that that uh that actually class. one one thing I wanted to I wanted to mention too is that like that whole streamlining. It seems like the intent is to uh to push players away from quote unquote min maxing, and I know and that's obviously like a very valid way to play. I think people who want to create a a optimal character who play a game that is more competitive. As long as that's something that the table and the DM and everybody around are, are happy and able to enable, um, that's fantastic. It seems that the direction that wizards are going in is pushing more towards letting people do things interesting narratively with their characters without having to sacrifice what may be an optimal choice. For uh, me, true, that's never been an issue. Yeah, a true yeah. freedom of choice. Exactly. Like, like, And I obviously that's difficult to do because every... I mean, look at any video game that has multitudes of character options, and there's always going to be some sort of optimal thing that ends up getting patched, um, especially in a competitive aspect. I mean, I come from League of Legends. That game gets a patch every two weeks for the past yeah. 10 years. Destiny uh, every week. Like, Destiny yeah, exactly. gets, new so gets a change every week. So, But this isn't, like, D&D doesn't have to be a competitive game, right? I mean, if that's how you want to play it, great. And no one's going to stop you from homebrewing up, like, the most busted-ass shit ever. If that's what everyone is down with. Um, but I, I, I personally really like this change because I love making characters that have things that are suboptimal about them if it makes their narrative more interesting. Like, uh, if I wanted to do an Arakakura, this is like going to get really dark for a sec, I would consider maybe making one that had his wings clipped and actually couldn't fly. Yeah. Because that would be part of like, a, okay, it's a bit of an edgelord backstory, but maybe he kind of like, He's part of like a, a society that, you know, that like shuns bird people or something. I don't know. I just it, I like I like interesting choices like that, even at the cost of certain abilities and certain ways to do things. Also something to aspire back to, maybe a way to like undo that. Um, it's a bit of a dark example, but like generally speaking, I just think that. You shouldn't have to take a combat or ability hit in order to do something interesting narrative. And I like that Wizards is trying to enable that more. Yeah. For sure, I uh, unless Deca has anything to add, um, th I think I think pretty much just asking the player what they, how they want to go about it. Um, I remember when I was starting um, my Wednesday, I have a I have a paid game that goes every other week, um, on Wednesdays, and I remember uh, shortly just like literally just before I 
was going out was was going to start like session one, uh, Fizzbands dropped, and uh, one of the players is a is a is a Dragonborn. So I was like, hey, these are these other options I got. Um, do you want to take any of these? I it is my belief that these are objectively better than the Dragonborn that no, they is are. in the PHP no, dice wise. Yes. They are. So yes. Well, I think they had so, to fix it because the monk had better fire breathing than the dragonborn did. Yes, like, it did. Just like, wait a minute, that's that's scope creep right there. Come on, because I think yeah. it was like the monk was like what d eights to start, and the dragonborn was d sixes. So Fizzbin came out and it's like, you know what, everybody gets a d eight. So uh, it's another I just think, quality. I think, uh, I think the monks was like three rolls of your monk dice, and at higher levels, that is like d tens. Monk dragon class dandy. <laughs> so, I thought the ascendant monk, yeah. It's the ascendant monk, yeah. Or ascendant dragon. I, I, yeah, I think it was like several rolls of your of your. But like you said, like they could replace an attack with it and just keep doing it. Like you know, I did a flurry of blows. It's just yeah. When you take the attack action, you can replace one of the attacks with the dragon, uh, an exhalation of dragon energy in a twenty foot cone or a thirty foot line that's five feet wide. Choose one of the types: acid, fire, cold, lightning. Uh, each creation in the area makes a deck save equal to key, and then equal to two rolls of your martial dice. Holy yeah! So it's just like, why is the monk getting better fire breathing than the dragonborns? There's I also mean, a, a conversation to be had about like, like what bonuses you get from race versus class, right? Like, and it sure. does seem like the idea that you know, regardless of the, the, the fantasy race you pick, you still have a, a range of abilities. There may be some specific things that work better for you, but in terms of, like, your actual ability spread, that seems to be much more evened out, whereas the class, obviously, is kind of your your modus operandi, right? And it makes sense that mm -hmm. that's more powerful. Yeah, and uh, look, having a side-by-side -side here on my monitor uh, for the legacy kobold and the new kobold, like, new kobold is, like, it's just a straight buff, like, across the board. It's mm -hmm. it's like Cobalt normal. Uh, you now have advantage on saving throws and to end uh, frightened, which is completely the opposite of a Cobalt flavor, like you would think of, because you had you know grovel, cower, and beg as an ability on legacy. But now you have you know you can get an extra skill, choose that advantage on saving throws against being frightened, or have the uh, cantrip from the sorcerer list. That's just like, you pick one of those three when you choose the Cobalt. Maybe. Maybe when you're when you are so used to ju you just frightened so frequently uh, because life as a kobold is is rough and scary and everything else is bigger than you. Maybe you're just so used to it that nothing scares you after a while. That's you know. I always try to figure out like a mnemonic reason for why an ability yeah. exists. That's that's kind of my game design and then, instinct. Uh, and then you have the pack tactics, which got removed from kobold for the dracon uh, draconic cry as a bonus action. You can let out a cry at your enemies within 10 feet until the start of your next turn. You and allies have pack tactics, basically. So I, you can and you can do it equal to proficiency bonus. Like not just it once. Is, it's just it it's just like, OK, that's at least twice better at like than one. it's like I, that's I really strictly like, better really than like cower and beg. Like tying things to proficiency is, is actually really cool. The like the idea that you can do things more times or they're more powerful as you get stronger, because it is. It is kind of like reflective of a level, but also specific to your class, right? Like, mm, I, I, yeah. it did it did seem like it was pretty underused for a lot of years until Tasha's. Yeah, and another. I, uh, I think, 
So just another example about that, the lizard, the lizard folk, their uh, hungry jaws ability that they got. It's a bonus action. You make a special attack with bite. If it hits, it deals damage and you gain temporary hit points equal to proficiency. So they're really giving these races like use your proficiency bonus. <laughs> just... There's also something to be said that like there's nothing saying that you can't make like the legacy versions like a, a sub race. If, I would say if, like, if it's something you want to make keep in your back pocket as like an NPC that they have those abilities or you can pull from them, you know, in the if you have like a grovel, cower and beg type of character, you could just, hey, I have this ability from Legacy. I could just toss that in there. Toss it in the yeah. gumbo, as it were. Throw in the uh, cower, grovel, beg as one of like the options for uh, Draconic Heritage mm -hmm. or something. Like one of the, yeah. you know, just, like just add just more stuff. But uh. I actually wanted to chime in on what he was saying about about the Arakakra, uh, and like the backstory. Back when I was destroying myself mentally and trying to put together what I called the Codex, which was all the homebrew that I've ever found in one player yeah. manual to use. Um, I realized like Arakakra just has the one, uh, the one race by default: the twenty movement speed, the fifty fly, can't wear heavy armor, you know that kind of stuff. And I was like. We can make this better. And I slapped together the two homebrew classes uh, based on uh, the Thunderbirds from uh, Native American mythology, where it's like you have one Arkarker that has like the uh, tiefling kind of infernal legacy where it's like you get gust and, you know, all this stuff as you level. And then this other one that gives you like lightning kind of abilities as you like level up. So it's like you want to play that Arakoker, though. That's yeah, my people. Yeah, that'll still be available, but it's just like seeing it now where it's like hey we're gonna kind of streamline it a bit it's like cool you can still you can now like flavor your arcarca a little bit a little bit more especially now like you can customize your lineage and stuff like that so it's like i'm an arcarca i start with a feat like and i can start with a spell that i want that ties into like a narrative that i want to tell too so the streamlining is really helping i will say there's something to be said about uh you know um if someone was, for example, attached to the name Fallen ASMR, uh, Fallen ASMR technically doesn't exist anymore. Um, you just you just pick one of the options at level three. Um, you just pick just one ASMR. of the ASMR options. Yeah, they've got rid of a lot of like the sub race ideas. They did the same thing with Deep Gnomes and Dwerger now as well. It's it's. I think yeah, they're kind of like their so, own race now too for Durgar. Yeah. Like they're considered like their own separate like dwarf. Like it's, it's just like a conceptual idea, anyways, right? Like I never really made a distinction between hill and mountain dwarves personally. Yeah. For sure, um, but th there are people who do have that attachment. They're like, oh, they're homogenizing everything. Um, but I, I am I am with you on that. That is just yeah. I never they were just dwarf is dwarf, you know. And you could still I mean you can still get into that distinction too. Like like while they are making these changes, it's a mechanical like component change, right? Like and the and the intent is to streamline it. You can still narratively do things however you want, and and as y'all mentioned, you can use the legacy content in whatever way you choose. It might be a little more work because the default is now this more streamlined approach, at least for these 30 fantastical races, I think they're referred to in in, in Monsters of the Multiverse. But, yeah. uh, you know, obviously Player's Handbook stuff, stuff hasn't changed. 
like I, I always found again because I'm I'm a I'm a fifth edition native anyway. So like you know everybody talking about all the like three point five stuff. I'm just like oh cool. I was in middle school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just like I it never really made a ton of sense from a conceptual standpoint for me. I just kind of it was just an extra drop down in D and D Beyond or whatever tool I was using anyways. Like I, I think it makes a lot of sense to try and minimize the levels of depth you have to traverse to get into something. And if you want to customize, if you want to make more uh, specifically targeted content that leans into an archetype or something like that, then there is always the homebrew as long as you're willing to put in that work. Definitely. And I'm, I'm still angry because they gave Stater 35 feet of movement and it's throwing me off so much. <laughs> like, it's not just even what else are hard when you have to do like half things and stuff like that. Because even Harrigans only have 30. So it's like Stater's the only one that's like, one more and it's like why do you do this wizards <laughs> like why is what this else has 35 doesn't it that is a... that is what, else what else had uh let me had. Check. i don't know they, if didn't, they did what not change was... uh they did not change what else so okay i'm looking at i'm gonna look at okay centaurs have 40 good because they have they have they have four legs. <laughs> that would be dumb if they didn't they have four it. legs they should go faster that's just yeah. math that you trade you trade speed for the ability to climb ladders yeah <laughs> Well, also, there are certain, um, like, there are certain... Okay, yeah, what else like, have 35? Oh, no, Ganassi yeah, yeah. have 35 feet, too. Really? Oh, God. Yeah, what? That's weird. Okay. Uh, that's Damn. another thing I noticed. Uh, Air Genazis now have, you know, a built-in resistance to lightning damage. And they have that's the mingle cool. with... They have the mingle with the wind ability, which gives them, you know, that kind of tiefling legacy, like, 35, 7, here's your spells you get. Um... Another good quality. I like the you can be medium or small as like yes. an option now for a lot of races. I like, like how that. you can pick what your spell casting ability is now too for cert for those innate abilities. So it's like, hey, uh Air Genazi, mingle with the wind. You can use intelligence, wisdom, charisma. We're not going to have you have to pick an optimal caster class now to use this. It's Cassie like, can, used to be all constitution. And on some yeah. some sometimes you play one, it's rough. Yeah. It's also, I think, one of the reasons for like the smaller medium thing too. It really helps to 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 try and conceptualize like a Genasi that's maybe not um, like half human or or elven or something like that, right? Like, obviously, mm. you can play it however much you I want. I can play. Um, you can play like a dwarf Genasi, yeah, or, just or a little or smaller, a, or a gnome, like, or a gnome Genasi, or yeah, something or like halfling, like, yeah. I mean, and and if you wanted to, you know, again, if if you wanted to get into like, okay, well, they wouldn't really have like thirty five feet of movement if they're a gnome. Well, they can, but they don't have to. You could always artificially, you know, lower it for your own purposes. Twenty five. Yeah, if you yeah. wanted to, if you wanted to nerf yourself, not saying you have to do that, but like, I think it, it gets at least it gets me thinking about those types of things, and and I, I wonder if that isn't the intent, um, even if they didn't spell it out specifically. Uh, Interesting that experiments. Yeah. Yeah, it's to start having, I guess, DMs and players kind of think about things. And because this thing, all of these rules are the skeleton of the game, but they're not the meat of the game. Yeah. As pirates, uh, they're more of guidelines rather than rules. So they meant, they're meant to serve the game. The game doesn't serve. Them. It should probably be like, hey, yes. look, we're kind of streamlining things. Here's our you know thought process behind it. Here's what a series of races look like here's their you know type their speed their size you know abilities start formulating your own if you want to change up something or if you want to add your own like here's kind of the here's kind of the skeleton of how we do this now 
So I it think it also gets rid of the bioessentialism aspect that you could argue that's the most important a lot of that. Yeah, like 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 giving 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 people like especially with the monsters that they showed too. Like they have the alignments are typically whatever. Like that's mm -hmm. yeah, that's so much better because it doesn't lock you into that like okay, no, this is how they are. like I I remember the thing that blew my mind in one of my earliest campaigns as a DM. My party got ambushed by some goblins and one of my players was like but maybe the goblins weren't evil and we killed them and now we'll never know. And my brain went, <laughs> And I realized I had been very one-dimensional with it. So ever since uh, then, like... I a monkey's paw somewhere curls in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, a, like, our, um, game, our game where I introduced Decca and the party to a drow city. And I could tell, like, some people had this preconceived notion of, oh, shit, a drow. And then they were like, oh, yeah, come on in, we'll help you out. So... <laughs> Having I having totally people the have, have, having that like short circuit is like the best thing ever when someone has a notion and just go I've like, been, in a completely unexpected direction. I appreciate this book because I've been trying personally to get better at that. Um, I do write a lot of my stuff as kind of tropey at times, but I'm trying not to make it like a stereotype. At the same time, like a, I like a bunch of different cultures and a bunch of different points of history. So when our campaign was set in america because i use a real world map with fantasy landmarks like added into it so they were on you know north america and they met the furborg and i was like okay i'm not going to try to you know make it off like offensively native american like but you know there are people that like love they love nature they live you know various tribes like tribes and stuff like that but not in a way that she's a wild mother yeah, so not in a way that people were like, mm, can't do that, white boy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you got you got to you got to draw from it without appropriating it, right? Especially yeah. when it comes to cultures that are, you know, historically quite oppressed. Yeah, it's a so, it's it's the appreciation, not the appropriation. There you yeah, go. And the things like okay. I love I love mythology. I love history. Like you guys, Deca, it's just the real world at its most fantastic. It's steampunk england like i've mentioned it's gothic horror oh, germany it's in mix and match these things too and that's what's that's what's yeah. fun about it that's, it's that's like, his world that's literally his world it's yeah. conquistador spain like battling pirates and stuff like that so it's like oh it's all these like tropey things because i love those things. i love it as like the simplest kind of fantasy i can think of but at the same time i don't need i don't want it to be like oh man that's that's not a good thing for you to add there like so it's a uh, so this kind of book where it's like you know typically evil and i can like look through the abilities and like you know what it does and it kind of be like okay that that makes sense but if i can read something where it's like neutral it's like okay why what makes this thing neutral like what can i you know play off of if i need to use this at a certain point as a good guy like that kind of thing and and the player mm. the player race options too um it seemed like I mean, it, part of the streamlining, there's also, like, a lot of, like, lore stuff removed, and you could kind of almost argue both ways. Like, on one hand, like, yeah, you're you're not presenting a lot of preconceived notions to players so that they have to, like, tie themselves in knots to play against that. Like, I know, like, a lot of the old, like, goblin stuff was very much just, like, you know, like, stereotyping. Um, yeah. And, and, and to play against that type you would have to like kind of think about it narratively and especially as someone who cares a lot about the narrative aspect the backstory of a character 
um, and why. Uh, I, I think like taking that away or rather not referencing that and trying to like present as, as little information while still giving the important stuff is good. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it also maybe makes it hard for these choices to stand out. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's definitely not a perfect book, but I, I think it does a lot to try and like limit the chances of falling into a too tropey of a trap, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they're, they're trying to change the chemistry of D&D to a degree. Not just like as the game, or but just as a, better or, or encourage people to, you know, like, hey, read it, you know, read the Lord, you know, see how you can implement it. It's like with the drow, like I mentioned uh, in my game, like they still have a, have a matriarchal society, but it's definitely more respectful. It's not like, oh, I like you, you're mine we're going to start a family line like that kind of thing it's just like husband is like the guard captain he's like you know i love he's like this is my family you know she's my wife and the house leader it's still that matriarchal society just to not to the weird like 90s bdsm drow that it was so yeah and i mean there's still like a lot of play like that I, i'm going to say it because They've hey gotten away with it. For, who knows They've gotten away with it for too long, right? So, <laughs> um, but this like, I know what goes on underground. I was down there. But yeah. Drow society is also still, you know, like it's very political intrigue. A lot of ways, like yeah. there is still like you know power plays and stuff like that, but it's not as much as you know outright murder, like all Drow had. Wow. At least in my world. I'm yeah, I mean, I mean, and you can you can do you you can make it work however in your world too right like tying a specific race to a, a a specific culture and having that be unbending like apart from being stereotyping it's kind of just lazy right like uh yeah, i i love sure. the way i love the way that it was presented in uh in the second campaign of critical role right the idea that there is this there was this break off a uh, group of drow that that got away from loth worship and actually was like above ground and created basically the most cosmopolitan society on that continent Maybe a bit, sorry, a bit of spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Critical Role Campaign 2, but it's like, you know, whatever, It's it's been done for a while. Uh, and it was presented in contrast to like a very authoritarian, mainly human dwarvish and halfling regime. And I thought that was a really cool contrast because it kind of flipped the script a little bit. Um, and and I, I like, obviously, like, you know, that's just one valid interpretation of it. But I, I, I like the idea of playing off the old lore, but breaking the script in a way that is not just like saying no it doesn't exist it's it did exist but here's why it's different now yeah i, I just i like making my main cities because a, a lot of uh so my the players i have um have been like hey can my character be from Waterdeep in your world i'm like yeah i'll throw Waterdeep somewhere in my world and then when i throw Waterdeep in my world i make sure that it's also super cosmopolitan much like much like uh, the Jorhas in Critical Role. Um, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, every now and again, you see like a dragonborn and then there's a goblin, a kobold, and, you know, three goblins in a trench coat and then they go to the bar. And for anybody who's done Rhyme of the Ice Maiden, there is a stat block for three kobolds in an overcoat. It's, and I'm it's, like... It's, that, that book is like a better source book than a lot of other ones. I don't think it's the best adventure book, but man, it's got some goofy stuff in it. I was yeah, like, it's got some funny ideas. Actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> Cobalt vampires are also pretty funny, by the way. Um, they are they are like full on nightmare fuel too. Yeah. yeah. 
I was uh, uh I think that's the thing. I think uh, like a lot of these I wish that was something they did too. Like a lot of these stat blocks that are in the adventure books, whenever they make a book like Mordecai's Monsters of the Multiverse, I wish they'd include those into that book also, just to like continue the like monster manual rather than just have us like this is adventure specific. Wizards needs to make money off of all those other book sales. No, nah, I, I I get you. Like I want to see a breakdown. Record sales for the third. I want to see a break. I want to see a breakdown of how many people are buying the core books compared to how many people are buying the adventure books. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I, I I don't know it's because not like, even close. a lot of it's DM. It's a lot of it's DM preference, right? Like, yeah. Like I mean, if you're if you're a player, what like why are you buying the adventure book unless like you want to do both, right? I, I mean, like there's a lot more players than there are DMs out there. At least I would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's for sure skewed in that way. No one wants to be a DM. Everyone wants to be a player. Well, it's just a lot um, more work. Um, geez. but mm. you also get to be God, so hey, I, I consider that its own reward. Um yeah, like I'd love to see it all combined. As it stands though, I mean, this is the closest thing we get to like a second player's handbook and monster manual officially, right? Yeah. For now. Yeah. Luckily because it's it, not like Bolo's and Morden Kanan's uh uh Tome of Foes and also yeah. like Elemental Evil Players Companion. Like there's a lot of books in this one, even if it is like so mostly as a player, time. you would need, you know, player's handbook, um Tasha's, Xanathar's, yeah. and this book. Basically would be the four that you need to have all your player options. Uh Plus figured any, out like now. setting specific stuff, right? I mean, if you really yeah. want to do yeah. like Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide or um Well those races uh, uh those races were something. put into this like so, or were they've they? been added. Oh I think they no, I think the Sword Coast uh, adventure stuff was in Xanathar's when they it was yeah. in one of the books they put okay. in the races. Yeah. But yeah, um, for like for like vanilla D and D, like yeah, those are the only books you need, right? Like then from there you want to maybe get into like whatever your DM. player guides to like whatever setting you're in if it's a pre-written one or you know if you want to play the critical role class you know have the book because we have a uh one of the gravity wizards in one of our campaigns now so love that person oh yeah the, those 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 classes the the gravity and the time stuff is cool i actually have uh, my, my my elf fighter rogue is a is an echo knight nice officially. we have uh we have we have one of them in a luke's game uh it's a very cool class Mm-hmm. But, uh, and Bloodhunter become ubiquitous too. I mean, I feel like I feel like everybody uh, more or less knows what that is now, even though it's not an official D and D class anymore. It's, for, it's as close to getting official as it's going to get until they add it into an official uh, Watsi book. Yeah. I think that's another is thing. Like, in, is it in Wildmount? Because that's a crossover. It's, that's like a... it's in Wildmount. It's not in Taldori. Uh, okay, but only one of those a... is, uh, is like partnership D and D, right? The other ones, like... yeah. Uh, I think it's another thing, like, when it comes to content like that, where it's from this prominent creator, but it's not, like, an official, like, Wizards product. It won't be in one of Wizards books, but it's on, you know, D&D Beyond as, like, this is a fighter class. Like, it has always been a fighter class. Pick the gunslinger. (laughs) It's, like, stuff like that. It's, uh, because I know there are DMs that are out there. It's, like, strictly, you know, whatever Wizards made. Like, that's what I'm going to run. That's what I want you guys to run. But it's like Blood Hunter and Gunslinger feel like they're not even like critical role specific stuff anymore. It feels like their core D and D classes just with their popularity now. So mm-hmm. it's a. I think Fifth Edition really opened the floodgates for homebrew compared to uh, previous editions. And I wanted to make a point. You brought up like this is all you need for like handbooks now for players. 
it hopefully it's not like fourth edition where it's like here's players handbooks one two and three and then like yeah. here's the six other books of additional like classes and features so i i, I mean, we're actually kind of going that way a little bit aren't we i don't i don't know if uh, it so technically, like some of the rules that are in Xanthar's and in Tasha's <clears throat> are technically uh, PHB 2, PHB 3, um, just, you know, by way of how many cla- how many player options there are versus DM options. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that uh, when this – I would argue when the new player's handbook comes out uh, in two years from now, I believe, um, that it'll be it'll – be, The true, like, uh, compilation. Yeah, it's a true compilation and not just uh, just given what they've done with Monsters as a Multiverse. (laughs) Yeah. Given what they've done, given what they just did with Monsters as a Multiverse, I think it's going to be a compilation of the other, the player options up to that point. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably strip some stuff out too for content as well, right? Or anything that becomes like legacy or deprecated. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would argue you'd probably do the same thing with the Monster Manual, right? Like everything that's in Monsters of the Multiverse and the Monster Manual. And hopefully, Hopefully, a lot of those adventure books, you know, it uh-huh. would be great to see that compiled into the next monster manual as well. What yeah. about the DMs? What about the DMs guide? Because I, I feel like, I mean, there's a little bit that's been expanded on in Tasha's and things like that. Yeah. But it's um, like there hasn't been nearly as much added there. If they go with 5.5, I think we'll see a, a rewritten like DMG, like a compiled player's handbook, maybe with some new stuff thrown in and the compiled like monster manual. Uh, I think if they're going to do a point, you know, something addition, there may be, you know, rules, like rule changes. Like they may expand upon like grapple rules. They may expand upon like the lesser defined rules in the books. I'd say, I'd want to say um, maybe there'd be more spells, you know, thrown in. It's like, Hey, we created some stuff and we didn't have a place to put it. So here's some new spells. Um, stuff One like that. that. Someone at Wizards just does a massive bong grip and writes in, figure it out yourself, guys. The DM has the final say. You buy I mean, the fucking it's thick kind of ass between the lines DMG, there, you know? and it's just, you open this with the first page, do it yourself, and it's just all blank pages <laughs> for you to write your own rules in. One page of text. <laughs> I, almost, I almost want them to just, like, do that as an April Fool's joke and, like, not actually sell it, but, like, it, you know, it's, it's advertised, it's like a PDF you can get, and it's just, like, a massive troll. But somebody would take it too seriously and would ruin it. The April Fools. Yeah. The April Fools that same year is like, hey guys, we've gotten to the point we have like so many modifications and rules, so we're just gonna make it simpler and it's just like we are going back to fourth edition. <laughs> so it's like That's man. not simpler. You, you, That's harder option. Tiamat. You play as Tiamat. That is uh, something I'd want to see expanded on. Fourth edition had the interesting monster rule of bloodied. Where it's like, if it's below mm-hmm. half his HP, it gets new abilities and stuff like that. And I think that there's a lot of design space for that, too, that they haven't capitalized on. I mean, even yeah. seeing these changes in the monsters, you know, removing spell slots, uh, changing lore, uh, changing some other stuff about them. But I want to see, like, implement, like, that. just don't make them a bag of numbers. Make it actually, like, a dynamic kind of thing to fight like a bigger creature will have like a bloodied state where it gets like these things the lore and the mechanics definitely can tie together better and i think that's a direction they're stepping there are a couple of monsters usually like like epic like 
boss or like you know god level monsters that the do 15 cr like, higher I'm, kind I'm, of things i'm thinking i'm thinking um uh oriel in uh in rhyme of the frost maiden has like three forms yes it feels very like zelda dungeon daddy which as a you know as a, as a kid raised on the n64 like i get that i vibe with that a lot um <laughs> i definitely think yeah that like the idea of a bloodied mechanic unlocking like certain different abilities like a mythic form for high cr monsters like that's a great idea or even like a certain ability that only functions under a set of hit points right like imagine like a like a like a owl bear that can like berserk or something at a loan of hit points when it um, hits actually, you know much golem does that already actually has this like randomly assigned attack when it's low enough um but like yeah, like a, like a monster that like does something when it's like backed into a corner. That's kind of a cool. If idea. it's like if it takes more than X amount of damage, like between rounds, you know, it gets this ability kind of thing where it's like, oh, it just got the shit beat out of it for one round. Now it's starting to, you know, act like a wild animal yeah. around you all. Also, like like notes for how to like ideas for like what the base instinct are for or 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 motivations are for like certain types of monsters. Right. Like if they're if they're fully humanoid. You know, like that's that's obviously one complexity thing. And if you're the type of DM who likes to role play, like you know, they have a they have speech in combat or whatever. Or if it's like a beast that specifically is trying to do X as opposed to just eat, like I would love to see that kind of presented by creature type and maybe broken down for some of the more specific ones. I mean, yeah, it adds information, but like it, since alignment becomes more of a typical thing, I love the idea of like presenting that. Like, well, if this type of creature is evil, maybe this is how they're going to function. If they're chaotic, maybe this is how they're going to function. Um, maybe just like a guideline for like role-playing baddies, effectively. That'd probably be a there's DM just guide thing. There's in in the Monsters of the Multiverse book. There's a few. There's a few creatures that I've seen as I've gone through it. Um, that I think they're mostly humanoid that have like you know. Is like uh, the archer. Uh, you can roll on a table and decide what the fletching is on their arrows. For example, um, the master thief. Uh, they leave a calling card after a heist, and you can determine what that calling card is. And there are things that like spark ideas for role playing. I think it's mostly humanoid creatures, unfortunately. Um, I, I wanted to do because they do this in the Pathfinder adventure. Uh, Pathfinder adventure paths when they introduce like a named character if it's in a combat like i think one of the adventures like starts off with you fighting like a small band of npcs and they have under the block it's like will fight until you know like they will fight you to the death they will fight you until you know x happens and then flee like just yeah. just like notes i mean in adventures it probably makes more sense to do that i won't look at like a drow thing and just under it be like if ally falls this guy will run away like that's not a that's not a that's not scenario specific, but you know just it does kind of make a lot more sense in an adventure for, for yeah. like you know specific characters with ideals or if there's like a modified stats lock monster maybe like an an already injured one that you know it's going to have different stats and it's going to probably have a different uh, set of concerns than your average one I I, mm -hmm. I think um yeah I, I think it definitely works under like specifics and I wonder if there isn't room for it as a a more general like table type of thing or if that's just too much I'm not sure yeah i mean i guess that comes down to dm uh planning it's like hey i'm I'm gonna introduce this duraguard despo you know and it's like all right uh situation goes south party starts fighting him you know what are the 
what are the win conditions that aren't hitting zero HP? You know, like what what are ways that I can take, you know, this? Like the thing as a DM, that's kind of I think something that we need to start thinking about more, or at least have like more guidelines for like how to formulate those kind of thoughts. Cause a lot of time if people see a block of stats and they're like, let's get that HP to zero, and then they think that's it. But it's like, no, we can make this more interesting. I just some DMs just need help to I guess start getting that, you know, thought rolling to a degree. It's like, oh, this Durgar's evil, and my party's going to fight him, but, you know, what if they make a deal or something? Like... Mm-hmm. Depends on the party, too, right? Like, it depends on yeah. the party. Like, it and always depends on the party. Dro- dropping a lot of hints, like, cause, I mean, you know, like, unless you have just a bunch of murder hobos or something, and that's also on you as a DM for selecting them. Uh, <laughs> if If you drop a lot of hints that, like, you could get out of this without fighting, players don't like to run away, right? They're almost never going to choose that unless you are very very uh unsubtle about it you're like this is a cutscene. this is the big bad he's going to kill you um which also you know is usually a bit risky if you present a lot of like hints that this fight could end by talking or by finding a way to uh uh defeat without killing you know x monster i think that level of versatility is something that um Wizards is certainly trying to encourage. I mean, the entire Wild Beyond the Witchlight specifies that this is like the first the whole adventure that that you don't actually have to fight. Past his run, and yet, and yet, (laughs) in my actual play, uh, my party has literally named themselves Bloodbath and Beyond. So you know, oh god, uh, yeah, it's well, and partially that's on me because I, I have, I have, I struggle with this sometimes giving them um, non-fight options. I think. Sometimes people hear roll initiative and they think, all right, this is a battle to the death. And I, I think it's really easy to get stuck in that mindset. And it's kind of on the on the GM to sort of like break that mold a little bit, right? Yeah, I was uh, thinking about the example that I gave uh, while you were uh, talking. And it's like, you know, maybe indicating it's like after certain hit point, it's like, you know, calling for, you know, all right, you know, stop, you know, let's discuss. Or if they hit zero, you know, have like dm hand wave it a bit where it's like you know he's beaten on the ground and he starts talking to the party don't let him but or don't let him you know like just straight kill him like right off the bat kind of thing um i think it comes to just having the awareness in the moment also for something like that whereas like you're looking you're taking track and it's like he hit zero hp and then it's like all right dm mode let's start the role play segment of this instead of just indicating oh he's dead it's like you know, just like absentmindedly, it's like, all right, he hit zero, so my brain's turned off. This character's dead. So, yeah, it's like it's a lot of a. Uh... DMs having really I hard had... to deal. A lot of stuff yeah, you have to do a lot of stuff to take into account. I had a really tense um, moment in in a game, and my players afterwards were telling me, "Yeah, that was really fucking tense. Good, that's what I wanted." Um. <laughs> So they were holding uh, one of the player character's mother's friends at knife point. And it's like, you take another step. She's going to get stabbed. And a lot of them were like, hey, I'm going to try to sneak. I'm like, all right, roll your, roll your stealth. And they're all like, shit, 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 <laughs> shit, shit. We're like rolling it. And it was, it was super intense. And it wasn't, it wasn't intense because of the combat, because they could just wipe the floor with the creature in reality. But it was intense because, like, they don't know how beaten the, the the NPC is and how 
on the brink of straight dying that they were, and they were very close to death. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just, and it's it was so rewarding it was great. when you when you manage to like it's it's such an interesting balancing act, whether it's for combat or otherwise, because like realistically, it seems like like you sh- like encounters that you that you put your party in should still be favoring the players. At least that's always been the the approach yeah. that I've taken. But there should always be a conceivable chance of TPK or things going very badly, uh, even if it is not likely. And and I think it's so rewarding when you actually find that balance. It's like trying to find the perfect temperature on the old shower head yeah. for it to not be scalding or ice water. <laughs> like anyone who's lived in an old house knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's not, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, uh, like, cause like I was saying, you, they could just murder that thing and be done with it. But like I said, they were, I specifically said, they are holding an action. What are you doing? I'm not telling and, them what the action is. You're, they're holding an action. I, I think with a situation like that too, like, you know, you're probably going to have these like preconceived notions of what your party's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they change it up, it's like, you know what? I'm gonna try to sneak away and get behind them. At that point, you're like, okay, cool, they're doing something different, but you guys are still at the mercy of, you know, the dice roll. So it's like, they could be like, all right, we're gonna try not to fight them, but the dice just, it just fails. And it's just like, it's a, it was like a, the session we played last weekend, where it's like kind of the preview for the session that begins three years from now <laughs> in my little calendar of campaigns that I'm, I had in mind. And it's just like, Kevin's rolls were just bad all night, and I could tell like by the end, like he was just kind. Of, he had fun, but he was just kind of frustrated that he couldn't like do more in the session. So it's just like, like my started by jump kicking off a roof. It's just that like, if your party does try to do something different, like as a DM, like they're still kind of at the mercy of the dice sometimes. And I think, I think that's true, but there are also ways you can um, you can reward them for the creativity and not put it behind a dice roll chance, right? Like I, I I ran into the same issue in one of my other sessions where I had a player tell me that they were very frustrated afterwards because a lot of what they tried to do failed because of the dice, and some mm-hmm. things didn't have to be behind a dice roll, just like minor things that they could have done. Um, and I, I hadn't noticed that you know they had had such poor luck because it was a very chaotic session. Um, there were things that I could have given them to do that were just not at all yeah. like needing a role. Um, I need to get better at that too. Like I'm, all, it's, somebody's it's a like, process. It's very hard somebody's like, do. can I do something? And it's just like, yeah, give me a role. I need to start like stopping to be like, all right, their character, you know, their backstory is like he would know that. So I, you give him like a flat value or something to yeah. kind of go with. So. Or even There's just also like fully abstracted out of that, just be like, well, they yeah. yeah, they can do that. It's, it's so reliable. Like they they should be able to do that nine times out of ten, anyways. There's also something yeah. to be said about like uh, it, at least in a game like Sharky's, where like we have the role play channels that can contribute to the main session when we get to it. Um, there's uh, like my character in that game. I, I said I told I told the party I told Sharky, hey. There's all this silver. There's all this silver in here. Can I just make ammo out of it? Because we're you know in the duchy, or next to the duchy, or near you know monsters that conceivably could be weak against silver, which my character would know because he's a 567 year old elf. I had to do math. I had to get the weight of a silver coin, compare it to the weight of a lever action rifle bullet from like the Civil War era, 
and then do math to see how many bullets he could conceivably make from that. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between you and me, Sharky. Uh, <laughs> you did that. I would be like, cool, how many coins is it? You can make that many bullets. No, I 11, had to ask. There's like they, 11, 000, there was five 11, digits of silver. So it's like five oh, digits of I silver. Mean, I, I, I mean, I would have just been like, you could, you can do it, but it takes X amount of time based on what you have access to. Yeah. Uh, um, at the time, we had access to like, you know, uh, a, like a decent like guild hall. So I, I was like, Hey, look! I'll I'll make the math easy for you. We'll just say I have silver bullets for the rest of the for the rest <laughs> of the campaign. I get really oh. lazy about that stuff. I don't even I don't even usually do ammunition unless it's like magical or something. See, mm. there are times where I will just like do something. that's like, what can I do from this? And I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. And then there are times where it's like, I need to do the math real quick. <laughs> so one moment. Yeah. That and is also like, a balance to strike, and you start to like you start to like Google very specific things like you you get on a watch list from your google oh history. my my yeah, google yeah, search 100%. history has some weird stuff in Dude, it I, from I, write, I write i write fiction so like between that and D, uh I'm, i gotta be on like at least half a dozen but um yeah i've been telling them too as like disclaimer i'm like this like campaign that we're currently on like this epic level campaign with like this long running story and like world threat and the accumulation of a bunch of campaigns that i wasn't able to finish in the past like being all linked into this this is my figure it out campaign everything else after here will be a little more streamlined so hey when you figure it out you got it for next time yeah there you go so it's a i ran a, i ran a module as my first campaign like front to back but i put it in my world so i i kind of figured it out as i went along with the module because i had is to there... like look look ahead in the module and like slap it into my world somehow yeah, I did, I did that with my Curse of Strahd thing for so long because I started homebrew and, and then I realized this is a lot. This is really hard. So I swerved everybody and I just dropped Barovia into into my world. And here's what and you do. There's so much nice. more. You swerve them again and you use the book that I found on DMs Guild. That's Curse of Strahd, but everybody's gender bent. Oh, is that She is the Ancient? I have yes. seen so many good reviews of that. I, I love that so much. Um, and I was just like, it's yeah. Strahd. Another swerve. I mean, yes, but also no. <laughs> so yeah. Yes, but well, also I, I just, no. I'm, I'm living out all of that by, by, by adding in as much homebrew and cross Ravenloft stuff. Like, that's the, the fun thing is, like, it goes from, like, Dracula. And when you start swerving into, like, other domains of dread and having people interact with each other and, and there being, like, lots of Mistwalkers, like all of the characters in Van Richten's, which is probably the most read book I have right now, uh, it, it goes it goes from, like, full-on, like, actual Dracula gothic horror into, like, Van Helsing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen bullshit. And I'm like... You're on a ghost train. <laughs> I love those. I love those films. I know they're bad, but I love them. And like that's wrong with loving bad films. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, and one of these, one of my characters is basically like Hugh Jackman, Van Helsing, and I'm like, yeah, we're just gonna go with this. Or you can do what we did, where our group has such a mutual love for the mummy that Campaign Three is a like desert, like points of light, like tomb treasure hunting campaign. Can I can I I drop another shameless plug? Sure. Yes. Uh, my 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 my. Night of like or something. Yeah, Night, Night of Lucarian is my best selling yes. DMs guild, and it's it's uh it's the mummy meets Night of the Museum. Oh yeah. So if you incredible. like that kind of shit, you should check out dmsguild.com and search for. <laughs> uh, I, as, I don't know, like I did last. You guys a link or something at the end. No, like yeah. I did. Like I did last time. Like all the stuff will be in the description. Yeah, I got two ads. Let's go. <laughs> Woo!
Yeah. Thank um, you, by the way. I, I do like I, I like that party makeup because it, it it I like it because it wasn't two parties that got smushed together and they were like, all right, deal. Yeah, uh, this is so, a party that we all chose. Yeah, because the campaign that I'm in, I was running two separate campaigns. And like I was saying in the previous time you were here, I kind of just slammed them together because certain characters had plot elements that made the other party's story work better. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. So My I took two parties. I took two, two very different parties. It just smushed them together. So there's like a bunch of just different backstories and different characters. But now this, what the third campaign is going to be is like, you all are hired by a parrot, Arakokra, who's in debt and he needs to find some treasure. And you guys are a crew on a sandboat. So you, know. so you started on hard mode. Like you, you, you oh, I did. I absolutely you, shot myself you in the foot. You started with the Avengers. <laughs> But you yes. didn't watch any of the other films ahead of time. Yeah, that's difficult. That's hard, no. It's man. I started with Endgame, oh. and now we're going back to like Avengers One. Okay. <laughs> so. okay. Yeah, that's. Oof. So, but I, I, I the, uh, the world I, I like story, that group's makeup too. Yeah, it's a very interesting part because there's a lot of homebrew involved in it. Also, um, so we have a uh, from uh, Sterling Berman. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Uh, that group that makes the D and D content, they have a pugilist class, which is just a like boxer. Is that the like, best known pugilist? Because I have heard of it. Yes. I know that it. Okay. So it ha- it, he's using it. the uh, he's using the subclass that's just like the back alley like fist fight kind of guy, and it's just a it's a punchy monk. Like it's a very just like I'm gonna knock you out kind of monk style class. Yeah. Strength based monk. Yeah. I've actually and, seen uh, either uh, martial archetypes that do similar stuff. I mean, I'm in a lot of discords where, where yeah. So he's that, and he's a uh, bear shifter. So you just have this guy just going around and then just like bear form punches you in the face <laughs> compared to like we have, you know, a uh, this is some like Darksiders like it's uh, it's, Tekken, it's really Tekken cool. kind of shit I'm here for. We it. got an yeah. elf from my version of Atlantis. That's a gunslinger. We got a cleric who's having a very hard time because she was literally just in school when all this happened. <laughs> so. Oh. She was doing her like her her what was it called the the she was just she was doing her like internship at like a yeah. church that so, so, so she met the cleric, party. Cleric is baby and is just like thrown yes. off the deep end. Okay. Yes. yes. Is this is this a is this streamed? Is this an actual play? No. Uh, mostly God, because I, wish. I don't. I'm on Wi-Fi for everything right now. So. Uh, uh this weekend though. version. This weekend though, I'm gonna plug myself a bit. Uh. I'm going to I'm going to have the house to myself finally, so I can run the cord through like the living room <laughs> to my computer. So I'm going to see if I can stream this weekend, and if I can, I'm actually going to do some uh, campaign like prep for stuff. So I can't look at your stream then. Not I can't not for campaign I one. I can. Okay. I mean, I oh, can, okay. I'm actually your campaign no, I, one it, stuff should be. My campaign yeah. one stuff is in the aether, and when I need it, I pull it out. Like I've yeah. I have so many notes in notebooks and like various folders on my computer. I'm like, oh yeah, I did make a note for this. Where did I put it? <laughs> like it's just it's at that point now. Um, you, uh, I'm gonna try to, to get like a world anvil or something. I, I it's so intimidating, but I'm tempted yeah, to do it for my own homebrew. But uh, hopefully starting next. Uh, hopefully I can figure out something with like my living condition by the time the next campaign starts that I can actually start getting it into a recorded uh a recorded you, you can medium. always do it as is is an audio audio only i mean that's usually doesn't require as much on on the video side of things we just need to be able to keep track for me to record it on audio yeah there'll be a lot yeah, that's, of always, that's, that's the challenge 
I yeah. so I used to actually record the sessions, um, and then my and then the laptop that I had the recordings on blew up. So it was like, oh, <laughs> well, I guess I can't do that anymore. <laughs> That's one way to take notes, though. To be honest, like yeah, if you're like really it's dedicated. What I it's what I do with my paid game, so I can be like, what did you guys do last session? Oh, God. It's so I have to try to do shorthand when my players are, are doing stuff. Like, mm. And sometimes I write things down that I look after. I'm like, what did I mean by this player reverse Shawshank salmon? And it was because my <laughs> druid swam up a sewer pipe as a salmon. To break into a place. <laughs> I can't yeah, decipher I a... my own notes sometimes. I used to keep like little summaries of what happened in the previous session. And I just stopped doing it because at, at this point in the campaign now we're getting so close to what the end is. I'm like, here's a session. We'll kind of role play leading up to it between each session. So there's not a lot of sessions that are going from point to point. It's like there's enough RP and then the campaign's the session starts and it's like, here's a story moment that I want to get to. The text role play will continue. Here's next story moment I want to get to just to wrap it up because it needs to just be wrapped up. This has plagued me for seven years. So this is a campaign He's we've been running nervous for. About it again. This is a campaign we've been running for like two and a half, almost three years now. And oh. the total overarching story of this world that I've wanted to do with this character, like as a boss is something I started in a campaign seven years ago. So I'm like, just end it. Let me move on. <laughs> Let me move Let on me to phase four. Let me get this off my back. <laughs> It's like, let me move on to phase four well, of this. You have, uh, you, you have more uh, you have more patience than the, the Game of Thrones writers. So I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, all three of those three Ooh. sessions, uh, they didn't finish. So that's why I'm trying to finish this one. <laughs> so, wow. dude, I, I, I know I know how you feel. Like sometimes you really have something lined up, whether it's a session or a campaign and you never get the payoff. Uh, my session, my home session last week. Um, it's a big like grand masquerade ball, and one of the players literally had to leave as they were arriving. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, "Cool cliffhanger. See you next time." <laughs> yeah. Uh, but sometimes, want... sometimes scheduling issues and things like that. Uh... I want DMs listening to this episode. It's not as scary as we're making it sound. You just gotta be Scarier. ready for it, because you have to do so anything... many more things. But it's so much more rewarding. And the thing is, everything you plan and prepare for and have notes for your plan won't survive first encounter with the party so nope. be ready to not use any of it <laughs> and and i've been trying not to have like a plan i've been trying to just throw out like here are some characters that have their interests and motivations and just see who gets interacted with and chase that up and i'm hoping that works out yeah um because yeah plans you can have a vague idea of where things are going, but actually trying to plan something is a fool's errand. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. But uh, I, yeah, I do like that. Anybody have uh, anything else to add? I think it's about that time. So, so when when we were talking about like getting all of the stuff and putting it in one source, like the Monsters of the Multiverse did earlier, um, I'm actually reminded that Vampire the Masquerade is also doing something similar to that, and they are eventually going to put all of their stuff in one section with all of the errata that they've done because oh boy uh let me tell you for those of you who are like who've only played fifth edition nothing wrong with that by the way i'm not judging you um trying to go directly from a fifth edition game to vampire the masquerade is very difficult there are yeah. so many things that you have to keep track of as a player 
so many things you have to keep track of. You have boons, you have banes, you have compulsions, you have all these things that uh, in other games they would be narrative and you could just like hand wave it. But these are things that actually matter in the game because it determines if you are, uh, if you strike closer to being just the beast or not. Um, and I, and uh, in that game, uh, we ran, when we ran into Irata, uh, like, we would we would bring it up to the storyteller. The storyteller's like, "Yeah, it's fine," and just you know, go go yeah. with it. I've been meaning um, to pick up uh, newer printings of the three core books because I know they have the errata, like already oh, changed like up super, in and out. Super thick boys too. I I just have the player. Yeah. Or just yeah. just the main like book, and it's like one of the thickest like RPG books I I bought. Uh, so there's a it's, lot, in, and I I I'm, I really want to play Vampire the Masquerade at some point. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun system. That could be its whole other episode. So. It's but, a whole uh, other vampire episode, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's kind of we started with you know the how do you handle you know the new rules uh or like changes in a current edition to you know newer aspects of it, kind of a soft you know five point five for player races, a soft reset, and yeah. Most of the time, it's going to reward the player. It's it's hey, your character can now do more. I'm not going to stop you from doing that especially like as a i'm playing as a kobold in a game right now just having you know pack tactics and grovel i don't really have a lot to do especially as a fighter like a pre-level five fighter but now having a bonus action where i can give everybody within 10 feet of me you know advantage gives me a lot more stuff i can do on my turns now especially it's like hey i'm gonna give myself advantage on this attack so uh it's definitely something that's like don't don't punish your players for changes i would say is kind of the rule, like ensure that your players have fun. Just uh, especially if it's not their fault. Yeah, a lot of time it's, it's going to be the DM that has to deal with the new challenges coming towards them. Because mm -hmm. it really follows from the ethos that I think Tasha started to establish. Right, the idea that like you can add new stuff in and let people change their like subclass. I mean, I've done this in my campaigns where one of my players wanted to switch his blood hunter subclass. From being like more of an alchemist to being more like a kind of a mini warlock it's these two different um things and mm -hmm. we, we handled it narratively because it was like a god that he was uh you know working with that like that that he had like gained a better relationship with whether or not you choose to do a narrative tie into it or require them to go through some sort of ritual or something to make that happen it is about rewarding the players right uh new spells new feats and things like that i mean new official content and third-party content is getting added all the time and I've had players come up to me so many times and I've been as a player who sees something new and is like, Ooh, I want that. And I, I think like, it's definitely always going to be up to the DM, but like they should, in my opinion, default to like, yes. And right. Like if, if they can, if, if new options are available that weren't available when somebody chose and set the character up, they should get the opportunity to, to do it. Unless you have a very specific reason for not allowing it that, has been agreed to and bought in by all the players yeah or if it makes sense like let's say uh, a race is introduced in a new book that wasn't previously available and a party member was like i want to play that race i don't want to play you know a halfling or a dwarf anymore i want to switch over to that one mm -hmm. if it's in a point where it's like they're in a city you know just be like oh look new party member comes in other guy like leaves and you can just kind of hand wave like what that character knows. Like we'll say, oh, the first time we leave the city, we'll drop all the information onto them. Yeah. 
and the communication with the with the party to 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 enable that is is what's important right like, yeah i think that's that's the biggest pitfall um as a, as a dm is not like setting up at least for me it's been not setting up players to like share information and you know help them to like get more cohesive and and develop as characters right and like you have to yeah. talk to your players to figure out what it is they want to do and present opportunities for them to do it i think the uh, big thing is just at the end of the session did your players have fun oh and for it, sure it's just the more I that always ask my take, players the more you take the proverbial bat to the kneecaps they're not going to have you know fun playing yeah. D with you so it's true man let them be oh, heroes i thought of, I thought of oh, another no. uh Example, yeah. Uh, when uh, when Van Richtens when Van Richtens came out and the Reborn was a was a sub a sub race in there or a an, an ancestry or whatever yeah, they're it's calling not even, it. It's not even like a sub race. It's kind of just like a thing now that's like thrown in. Yeah. Um, my character at the time was playing. I was playing this this halfling. Uh, I my roguelock my. Probably my favorite PC that I that I have because he's he's very much the touch everything type of of character. I love playing him; it's great. Um, but uh, when I when I pl- when I when the reborn came out, I I immediately showed it to my DM like, hey, I think because of I'm going you know I'm undying warlock, I'm phantom rogue. I think this is the this is the play here. And she was like, yeah. And then we we like negotiated over which traits I keep and which traits. You know, I get replaced with, and you know, it's, it's like a, it's a reborn halfling. So it's like the, I get an extra five feet of movement because I'm reborn now. Yeah. Uh, just, but it yeah. was, it was super cool. You don't have to worry about pulling a hamstring when you're dead. Yeah. yeah. So I think, uh, like we ended last time, uh, with you, Paris, the, uh, let all your roles be crits. I think this episode can kind of, uh, sum up, uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a great DM. You just have to be the right DM for your players. It's like, as long as everybody's having fun, it's like, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, I won't be as good as, you know, the people that I watch. If you sit down and do it and your players come back for session two, you're doing something right. So. Watched, a- if you watched all of, if you watched all of any campaign of critical role, you can DM straight yeah. up. If you watched all of any any one campaign of Critical Role, you are already ready to DM. You don't need buy a DM's guide, buy buy the starter set. You're good to go. Yeah, well, and like like yes yes to both these things, right? If you are if you are somebody that's primary uh, goal is for your players to have fun, and you talk to them and listen to them, and make sure everybody's got buy in with what you want to do and what the players want to do, and you know. Yeah, it is about that negotiation. It's about putting in that work. But once you do, there's that level of trust that you're going to give them opportunities to have fun. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah, that is the most important thing. And there are a million ways to play, and a million ways to DM, and none of them are any less valid as long as everyone's enjoying it. Yeah, just sure. you got to be the right DM for your players. So your players have to be right for you too. Don't let people at your table who are assholes. It's a two so, it's a two way street. Yeah. As Matt Coville yeah. says, don't be a wing rod. So <laughs> But uh yeah, I guess that will uh be today's episode. Had another good Woo. discussion. Always enjoy the company Always of uh, Pure have... Technics. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah.
And as always, his links and everything will be in the description. Check out his dancer class. Check out his, you know, DMs Guild page. Uh, great adventures. You had the cryptid uh, compendium. Is that you also? So if you want to have some, your party some, fight some Mothman, so yeah. <laughs> you can uh, do that in D and D, which is fantastic. Thank but, you so uh, much for the shout out. Yeah, but uh, it was great having you back, Hero. We definitely appreciate it, especially on such a short notice. I know you're uh, probably a busy man with the. Uh, castles and casters channel and other responsibilities it's a lot going on but i've always got DD in my brain so you know happy to uh happy to contribute and and ramble thank you for giving me a platform to just uh word vomit for an hour or so D&D oh, brain rot. yeah i love talking much. to uh other dms and all that so i always learn but, something so yeah thanks for having me back definitely yeah. all right well if you all enjoyed this episode you know usual stuff like comments uh Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Again, if you're just watching us and not subscribed, that's kind of weird. <laughs> just not getting the updates, but always checking the channel. Um, I Pira's uh, information will be in the description. You know, follow him on Twitter. Check out Casters and Castles, uh, the Twitch channel that he DMs for, as well as I believe plays in. Other, do you play in another yeah, game? A couple of couple of one shots and things like that. Small yeah. series. You mostly uh, do the DMing on a uh, the uh, Feywild campaign. Get the act, get the title of it. Covens and Cauldrons. Uh, Covens and Cauldrons. It is at. Uh, it is on Mondays at. Um, wow, my brain's going all over. Six p.m. Pacific time. Uh, currently on Hades until the start of June. Um, but yeah, we are running through Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yeah. Oh, I love that campaign. Just reading through it, like you can go through that campaign and not have a single combat, but you also are able to TPK your party like that <laughs> if it's, if it's, they move been, wrong. An interesting Pass, experience with this run. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing a genocide run. So far. <laughs> oh no! I think oh, I think no. that may change because, as I mentioned, I, I you know trying to get better at getting my like making my players aware of the fact that just because initiative happens doesn't mean it has to be a fight to the death. Um, and that is something that you know we live and learn. Adding on yeah. to the DM uh, thing, uh, just because you did something as a DM that wasn't maybe optimal in retrospect doesn't mean you can't make it better next time. Definitely. It's always a learning experience. Every session is something that you can look back on and see what you did right and you know what you could have done differently and improved upon for the next Every, campaign. Everybody run. makes mistakes, too. And that's yeah. the thing. Even your favorite, you know, DM actual play person. There have been, yeah, there have been many times the uh, DMs and games have been like, actually, I forgot this. So, and it's, they find it and correct themselves. And that's really all you can do. Just correct yourself or move on. Or if it's something that would change a lot of stuff, just they don't know you made a mistake if you don't mention it. So you obsessively mention it, Sharky. I do obsessively message it because I'm stressed out all the time. <laughs> you got it. You uh, got to just like hit the roll and keep going. Yeah, like that's that's the entertainer uh, uh, instinct that you have to develop. You just like if it's a minor mistake, don't even mention it. Ninety nine percent of the time, no one will notice. No, most of the time, my stress is like, so what's this character's name? Shit. <laughs> it's like I didn't, I, I didn't grab it. My name is NPC. No, I tell him, I was like, Guard. I make this character. I make like what he has on him. I make what he does. And I always forget the name. So when I look at the sheet, it's like, God damn it. Google the name real quick. Fantasy <laughs> so. name generator.com real quick. <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. But we're definitely uh, over time now. So let's wrap this up. So Pira, yep, yep. thank you for being here. Uh, thank Thanks you all for watching. Me. You know, shout out the channel, share it, like it, leave a comment. Uh, if there's any questions for any of us especially Pira you know leave them in the comments we'll see and uh, maybe next time we have Pira on we'll 
asking me some it's of your solid, questions. It's a solid like 25 years of DMing in between the three of us. Definitely. I mean, I've been playing since 3.5 in high school. So yeah, so that's you guys are 25, 25 years. years. I got like yeah. three or four, maybe. I skipped uh, fourth, but I still pick up a bunch of the books to like look at stuff. Like with creatures, that bloodied mechanic, I look up like, you know, like, oh, lizard folk, let's see what they have and I'll look through and maybe get ideas and stuff like that. So it older editions are great to reference, especially when it comes to certain things. So definitely like expand your edition knowledge too. like pick up older books. See, you know, there might be something that sticks out. It's like, oh, this isn't in here. I would like to use this. You know, DMing is about great dms was it great dms good dms create great dm steal so me was it me uh, dms do it to such an extent that you can't tell which is which it's just the gravity falls the three books uh plagiarize every work of fiction i've ever read make one player cry kill a pc i've done it i'm a dm it's <laughs> just what's that, what's that uh what's that like uh thor ragnarok thing where it's like behold my stuff and it's like homebrew every like little tropey thing from all the all the uh yeah. all the things that you like every bit of like fantasy fiction yeah mm -hmm. so it, you don't have to create a incredibly detailed world just use stuff that you know and like and i'm pretty sure if you do it with enough love your players will like it too so but that's a good thing to end on yeah so We'll see you all next week. Uh, Haley should be back again. Leave, you know, comments uh, congratulating her on her wedding, unless things go bad after this video, in which case forget I said that, but I'm going to knock on wood for that one. <laughs> so that uh, I'm going to send it on. I'm going to say one more thing before I leave. That happened at work. Somebody at work was like, hey, man, how's your wife? Not knowing that the guy's wife died like a month ago because he hasn't been to work. Oh. So oh, I no. was it was one of those oh. things i was there i heard it i got the like nervous sweats and i had to get up and leave <laughs> so i was like oh this is that awkward moment where i don't want to be here anymore so my social anxiety is going and i'm not even part of this yeah <laughs> so. I, if i just seen that on like a like a like a streaming show i would have like instantly quit oh like, yeah. that's brutal yeah it was just one of those things where i'm just like man like i was i was gone Hopefully, Haley has a lovely wedding. Um, I hope we get to see pictures of it. I know uh, her private life outside of us is a little more private. So hopefully we can see some uh, fun images and hopefully uh, she'll let us share it on our Instagram that we don't use. So, but leave congrats for her uh, and she should be back next week. So we'll be back to the usual crew and probably give her the episode. But Vera, hopefully we can get you down the line again maybe with a new release where they change up some stuff maybe they you know drop some uh news some new like rule set maybe another player's hand guide out of nowhere just slapping us in the face with more stuff to buy so jammer to be on yeah but thank you all for watching and we'll see you guys next time bye everybody bye, bye.